It is something. It, there is. It, it's about two thirds of the way into eating the chocolate. It's kind of odd. You and can't then, chew. You can't. No, you you won't get it. You won't get that. It buzz. lives under your mouth. It's it's it, like it does, it's, it's like a drug. It is, and it starts to hit like brain yeah, centers. No, it's, it's like it's, clonopin it's for rich people. <laughs> it's a melting clonopin. Yeah. We should talk about the things that we're obsessed about that aren't technology, just to frame it a little bit. Okay. You like chocolate. I like really, really good chocolate. It's pretty exhausting, I gotta be honest, to, to be your friend. But at the same time, once I finally gave in and was like, all right, let him have it. Because you'll come up with what looks like a like an overpriced candy bar. And you'll be like, if you chew this, I'll punch you in the face. Yeah. Okay. And the first few times, I'm like, this is just annoying. I'm just waiting for something to get squishy. But... Then the reality is that with some of them, you give them a minute. It's kind of incredible. And they, they start telling you a little story. Yeah. They're like, oh, I was once a bean yeah. in the mountains of Vietnam. Yeah. And then someone picked me. And then I'm, nothing really too much happened to me after that because I'm a single source chocolate bar. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the brands? Uh, there's uh, a brand called Amidai. By the way, Godiva. The yeah, Godiva no. is is like. No, that's the thing. Let me just tell everyone: everything, every chocolate you've ever liked, unless you're in this world, is garbage, and you're an animal for eating it. Okay, so Godiva is like the Banana Republic of chocolate. Right. It's kind of pitched as higher <laughs> it's end khaki pants of chocolate. <laughs> but it's actually, if you really go shop at Barney's and yeah. the fancier shops, Barney, you know, Banana Republic isn't really higher end. Tell me one of tell me one of your obsessions, Paul. <sighs> I have a lot of nerd obsessions. Like I, you know, we all do. Yeah, non-nerd. I really do like getting on eBay and looking at old books, like and especially lots of books, like like eBay lots, like thousands of books. Like or, you'll get three boxes. Yeah, not three. Sometimes two thousand. Sometimes it's like the whole library is is the personal Unloaded. library is yeah. getting unloaded, or the the used bookstore is going out of business, and. I think there's a lot of intertwining fantasies there, which is like, I love books, still do. I yep. mostly don't buy them anymore because they take up a lot of space. I live in an apartment and I just And have, you read on your phone. I read on my phone and I have enough stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a part of me that just really appreciates books. The, the I ha still have thousands at home and I, I like to look through them. I like to look at them. And I have associations with all the spines and, and sort of what they yeah, all mean. Sure. And I love old reference books, things like that. So I really like older stuff. There's, it's funny because I, I love, you know, there's a part of me that really feels I should be interested in like rare volumes from the 1600s. Like that's the true mm -hmm. bibliophile, but it's not. What I like is the old encyclopedia from like 1890 about manners or about etiquette mm. or just like yeah. random stuff. Yeah. So they're very soothing, these obsessions. And I get it. And and first off, you make me sound like an eight-year-old. We talked about chocolate for a minute, and then you no, got into your wonderful obsession. Not books. really, because uh, we, we should share with the YouTube video, or we should share the YouTube video of people eating the Amade chocolate and sniffing it to the sound of Steely Dan that they put no, it's out. Joe Cocker. 
Uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. And this is not. Yeah, this is not for kids. Is what that says. This no, is, no. This is for sophisticated. You need to know. Adults. You need to really enjoy the fine stylings of Joe Cocker <laughs> while you eat chocolate. <laughs> Are obsessions good? I think that. Well, it really depends. There's some really bad obsessions that people can get. Addiction. There's addiction, and then there's also like I. I don't know. It's a real. It's a really tricky one. The Kardashians is a good example. Some people have a really fun, silly relationship with that show and Mm -hmm. they think it's really interesting and they get a kick out of it and it tells them something about their own lives and they really like it. Other people are are just hating themselves because they can't have a $4,000 handbag. Right. They're not going to be happy. Yeah. It's it's an an unreachable quality of life status that just people dream about and obsess over. That's a bad obsession. That's a bad obsession. The chocolate is ultimately like a relatively medium-sized indulgence. Uh, you know, it's just... It's, it's also... It's literally... It's the ca- ephemeral. I'm not going to put it in a shop. No, shelf. it's You're the cash you have in your... I don't really want the books when I'm looking at them. I don't... Yeah, I don't... I, I mean, pu- I want to eat the chocolates and that's that. Uh, I've, I've, I mean... No, this, I pulled a few triggers. I got... I wanted um, old copies of the Whole Earth Review, which is kind of an unusual magazine that came out in the 80s. And nerdy, but I wanted copies of Omni magazine, which was like an early. I remember Omni. I wanted the originals. I wanted to see the ads. I wanted to remember yeah. sort of how it felt. Yeah. So I, no, I bought those. Cost a couple hundred bucks. So, I mean, it's it's there's and then they took they take up a lot of shelf space though. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, it's, I, the, it's the feeling of this thing that I think about a lot that I possibly can't have. And when I do have it, I find some joy. I mean, I think you're not well if you're sitting there rubbing the book for days on end. That's right. right. Like, that's not what it's... A, I, I like watches. It's another... I don't even right. know if I'd call it I an obsession. It's not an obsession. It seems to be that there's an almost therapeutic function, right? Where you're like, I'm kind of stressed or stuff is going on. Or I, I just like, I need something to do for a half hour to settle my brain down. And that's when I see you creep over to... Your RSS feed of watch blogs. Aristocrat. <laughs> that might That's be. spelled W-R-I-S-T. I don't want to collect them. I like having them. I tend to get tired of them. I can and I don't really, this. I don't really want a room, like a closet full of watches lined well, also, up. Not to get into the numbers, but we know some people have done really insanely well for themselves. Yeah. Your collection is very nice and very special and very lovely, but it's not earth shattering. No. You, you have, no. it's not museum quality. And not only that, I don't want them long term. I yeah. mean, there are a couple that I've tied to events in my life that I'll probably hold on to, but the others are like, okay, that was fun. Yeah, it's I, a thing. I got my pleasure out of this. It's not then. a material possession thing or an asset. Some people are like, if I hold on to this for 20 years, it'll be worth three times as much. It really is about the emotional reaction. Yes. You know, that, I think once you get into the asset, that's a whole different set of emotions, yeah. right? Like for me, I've limited, I don't want to move. I have limited shelf space. Yeah. And so there's this sort of like, What's the most meaningful things I could put on that shelf? And that, yeah. question. That, let me ask you a question. Is it? Do you love the physical object when you talk about your books? Or are you talking about just purely the content? Because <laughs> if it's the content, you could probably find it online. Or oh, the content's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that's not my is worry. It, is it the physical thing? It's the physical thing. It's the space it takes up. Like, how am I going to apportion that space? What's valuable? No, no, but your love for it to begin with. I really do love it. And one of the, the things... The physical thing. If I had more time... I would spend more of that time like with books and a notebook. I, that would be really satisfying. Okay. I actually have a process. I really like like reading. Occasionally I see something interesting. I would take a picture of it and mm-hmm. tweet it. Like that yeah. would be pure happiness for yeah. me. I just don't, especially with having little kids, like, you know, they go to bed around 830 and I, I just am not going to sit at a table and read for two hours. Yes. I'm going to goof off and watch some TV and do answer emails. 
All right, so let's pivot into something that's kind of sort of sits as a juxtaposition when people talk about experiences today. Now, even if you wade into our industry. Well, I can, I can bridge this for you. There was just a big Apple event. It was held at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. That's a beautiful space, by the way. It is. I it live is. near it. They hung the, somebody was worried that, that Apple had bought it. Dude, there were Apple flags <laughs> all around the Brooklyn Academy of Music. And by the way, there's an Apple store across the street from the Brooklyn Academy Listen. of Music that is absolutely striking. And it looked like it was over. Yeah. Look, if, if <laughs> the Apple, dictator had arrived. Like there's a big floating. The flags had been planted. There's a giant Tim Cook head just sort of hovering. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, yeah. and and Strength through iOS. And you better That's start singing their song. If you don't start singing their, singing their song, they're going to put you on the trucks and off you go. I think a third of America would probably pledge to Apple if it said we are the new <laughs> government. So. so it looked weird. You know why? Because it was, it was nondescript. Apple being Apple, there wasn't a single word about what was happening. Right, so it's just like our presence is here. It was just apples with swirls of colors modified, modifying the logo. That's the experience. And, and look, we... we well, we, apples and people have been obsessed with the Apple brand since the 70s. Yes, because it tried to humanize something that was it felt very difficult to touch and to come near. And, and then, I mean, even before scary. Steve Jobs, they were there were pictures people shaving the Apple logo in their heads, and then it was a big deal. As Jobs sort of made it more and more kind of this cult of quality, it got more and more intense. And I think that didn't exactly scale. No, but the brand works harder than any other brand. It really does, and and there, the, I mean, you can't deny the craft that is. That is just well, this is supreme. I mean, touching I have, every aspect of the product. It, it's almost inconceivable how what these things are. Like e every little piece represents thousands and thousands of person hours of yes. unbelievable labor going back 40, 50 years. I mean, they, they just are kind of, they, they just encapsulate all human culture yes. <laughs> into this tiny little box. Well, I mean, we've really reached a threshold where I think we're, people are starting to get scared. We talked a few minutes ago about obsession being good, like your love of books. It's just a wonderful thing to talk through and talk about. I love watches, but I'm not consumed by them. I, you wouldn't call it an addiction. And what you're hearing more and more of lately is the, the words obsession and addiction being used kind of interchangeably. That's right. And we're very worried about children and phones. Children and phones. Yeah. And there's a, there were some articles. And iPads. And yeah. There were some articles recently where the New York Times said that in Silicon Valley, where they conjured up all this shit, they're obsessed with their kids not using their phones. That's right. I have an answer. Just get your kids Chromebooks because they want to throw those in the garbage. It's wonderful. Hard. Oh, I love it. It's hard. Rich, let's interrupt our marketing podcast to do some marketing. Despite what all these inventions do to your brain, Postlight's really good at building we them. We are. It, no matter what, <laughs> no matter how many children's brains are ruined by small devices, um, we are the device children ruiner. No, we're not. We make really great software. We're actually very, we're, we channel a very different set of obsessions around pretty, great design, great yeah. engineering to build really great apps, really great platforms. We're ethically concerned too. We're not going for addiction. We're not that kind of show. No, shop. no. You call us because you have a business model and you want, now we, we love when people engage and are connected to stuff. Yes. You know, we want people no, engagement's to really, part of success. For we us, love for people sure. to use our stuff, but we're not, we're not trying to figure out how to keep you on that phone for eight hours a day. Uh, but we can help people 
you know, when they open up a Postlight app, they think, wow, this looks, behaves, and operates exactly like the other really good apps that I'm used to. We are, we're at a very high level of quality. We take it very seriously. It's, we're not the cheapest for that reason, but we're pretty good. Very reasonable. We are overall, when people work with us over time, they come back again and again and again. We love that. Visit postlight.com and you will see a bunch of our work. That is true. Take a look at our work and send an email to hello at postlight.com. First of all, most of what children like to do with a screen is consume media. Sure. When we grew up, we had, you know, Commodores and Amigas and Macs and whatever. And you had to do computer things with computers because they wouldn't play videos. Not really. Not until the 90s. And even then it was like little crappy videos. Yeah. The current state is, you know, which of 100 billion hours of video can I watch before somebody realizes that, you know, you know like when my parents are sleeping in, I want to, I want to, like my kids will just sort of negotiate for computer time. And the computer time that they want is Netflix and YouTube understandably yep and i mean so, it's kind of magical you're holding this thing that's a pound well it's not just that though they if i remind them or if i say no you can't have that but you can have and then the number two thing that they like to do and there's lots of games on there because uh, mm-hmm. it'll play android games i will say like you know it's just like barbie shopping my, barbie yeah shopping barbie or weird like princess games and so on and yeah. I, there's a profile of my children in russia that's probably about 700 pages long at this point <laughs> but the um if i say you know what take some time on google maps and go look around staten island they love it i mean that's wonderful because you get to play Ex- exploration see the whole world they get to see it sure and sure they, it's like 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 you'd imagine with kids like, they want to see their house and then yep. they want to see their school mm-hmm. and then they're like i've been there and it'll be relatively close by it's grand army plaza of course so they love that and then google knows everywhere my children are looking and that's and cool they're in your house yeah <laughs> so okay so so they, let's, let's let's bring this into the the whole we'll see Netflix. Oh, okay, let's avoid kid addiction. Blah blah blah. Well, I mean, let's look at how the different companies react to this, right? Like Netflix just goes all in. You're going to binge watch this garbage, and we're going to continue to shovel it down your baby bird mouths, and you're going to give us money every month. You're going to forget how much you're paying, and you're just going to suck it up through your nose like cocaine. Worth noting, there is no setting in Netflix to not make another show start when one ends oh yeah a probably would take an engineer and a no. qa staff a day no to put this switch in netflix is the product equivalent of dumping uh like a, a bag of candy hearts on the floor and saying go pig <laughs> <laughs> you're like, and you're like i don't even like candy hearts <laughs> but okay <laughs> that's that's my experience oh, of netflix so all right, let me let me rant for a second here. It is scary. I mean, a kid they they do have a glazed look in their eyes if you leave them too long, holding an iPad or a Chromebook. Oh, you know what's bad? I got my kids sound canceling headphones because I got twins, right? Oh, and they God. can't. Oh, and I have this issue where every now and then the light will cut out in the room where it's it's kind of my office space where they have their computer, so I can watch them. So if I'll, I'll like walk away, I tend to be kind of I try to be close unless I'm asleep when they're using the machines. Uh, and they really only, they don't get a lot of time with them. But when you walk in and the room is dark and the screen is on their face and they're wearing headphones, I'm like, I am breeding monsters. Yeah. This is, yeah, 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 like yeah. It, it, it needs to feel public and they need to be connected and near other humans when they're using this stuff. I don't, it, it's pretty bad it's when scary. they just it's lock scary. in. Right. Yeah. So this is the fear. 
Uh, and this is this fear is actually even pro- more pronounced in Silicon Valley, where they frankly invented a lot of this stuff, which is, you know, New York Times wrote it up as almost this kind of irony. I'm so tired of all the drama, though. It's, oh, 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 because here's what Silicon Valley is so proud of itself for destroying the world. It's they it, love to fantasize about all the incredible well, cultural power know, they have. They can't build a skyscraper. It's this. <laughs> <laughs> that thing, they, they built one good skyscraper. No, After five stories, they're every, fucking confused. Everything is sinking. They are confused. They, you know, they're like, oh, hey, we dug a hole four blocks away and we destroyed this skyscraper. <laughs> I'm like, what did we saw? New York City. Yeah. We sure as hell can't build Google. No, but you know we've been doing that since 1910. You know maybe you could have sent somebody over. <laughs> it takes here. like three weeks. Seriously, like, holy shit! When did that come up? Why don't you just bring your bring one of your iPhones out and take some pictures of the Woolworth Building, which <laughs> went up in like 1915, <laughs> and then take that back to San Francisco? What the hell? Right. Even email it over wireless. We have yeah. that in the parks. Yeah, and uh, and then maybe you know. What you do is when you get the architectural renderings, I don't know if they've yeah. ever seen this, you get the blueprints and you just write the words, don't sink. Yeah. And that's actually how the con- the people in construction know. But anyway, San Francisco. They love to signal out that they're seeing things that other people aren't seeing. That's right. They love they, to say, oh, oh yeah. my God, we are, oh. we're about three years ahead of this, guys. Yeah. Let's talk this through. The phone emergency. The, all of it, right? Yeah. They're really into like, this is the thing. They're kind of missing climate. We're not going to get to really, really strong AI taking over the world before climate change destroys all the computers. Like, we've, you know, the, <laughs> like I, you know, I know Moore's We're law. We're losing that race. I know Moore's law. We're going to get, it'll just be like seamless. will be really fast. And then one day there'll be four feet of water in front of your door. Like you're not going to get a really great intelligent assistant. True. So, so wait, uh, I mean, it, it, is it legitimate? It's a lot of to watch with these kids staring at their phones like passively. Of course, of course you do. So you know what? God, as a parent, first of all, kids need to wind down like anyone else. It's what you put in the brain. Okay. Like maybe I'm lucky. I have good readers. I have very active, healthy kids. They're healthier than I ever was. And they're engaged and they have friends. They have all the regular problems the kids have. But it's not because they're watching an extra hour on Netflix every week. This is not really what we're talking about. Now, if my daughter was playing Candy Crush obsessively, you know, at age eight or nine, she's seven now, then that's a, that's an issue because that is like that is a growing brain that is given itself entirely to Candy Crush. Yeah, you you have to diversify the experiences. And I have, my son likes YouTube because he loves to watch other people play video games, and people are very paranoid well, that's about a big it. Thing, right? I watch it really carefully. Everybody's worried about strange alleys, but I don't know. I keep a pretty close eye. I kind of know what's in his queue. And I'm not sure if that's that much dis- different from watching other people play sports. It's like anything. I see. I have a little boy who loves to run and play soccer. Again, same parallels, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that kid needs to run and play soccer. Otherwise, they go bonkers. And like my boy, but if he tries frankly, to convince watching me- sports isn't. Yeah destroying anybody uh people have been doing it for many years at first they couldn't watch it they'd have to listen to it there's so many other <laughs> things to panic about there's so I, i'm gonna rant for a minute rant. Here. uh my, my parents weren't reading a lot of books first off there were no websites about how how to, we were we, we fled a war and we were immigrants in the country i watched probably eight to twelve thousand hours of a mouse of a cat trying to eat a mouse <laughs> and what's happening and <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, dude, cluster of after school reruns on when we were kids dude it was 
I, if you I, we just we just took a shit on Netflix. If you put on Netflix and want to teach your kid the value of green vegetables, yeah, there is a cartoon for the value, like oh, yeah. understanding and appreciating the value of green vegetables. Have you seen the show Hilda? No, they're oh, all it's the spectacular. Tr- it's a charming dude. narrative of a little girl with trolls. Oh, it's wonderful. It's, everybody's learning manners. They're learning how to eat. Uh-huh. They're learning about the world. There's this show That's called right. Super Wings. And when they're ready for Hitler, there's forty or 50,000 shows to watch. I, just a channel away? Yeah. <laughs> just, and then you switch to Amazon Prime and you got 100,000. <laughs> so, look, man, I, I'm not saying I came out great. That's questionable. <laughs> but... <laughs> shit that's a, that's a lot of podcasts right i there. watched a lot a lot my mom was a smoker and she was going through a lot of stuff uh-huh. and it was hard it was a new country and i am just eating up tom and jerry it's a cartoon where a cat is trying to eat a mouse sure and it's the dumbest thing you ever saw and i thought it was really funny mm-hmm. <laughs> i've watched the same episodes of that cartoon probably Hundreds of times. And I'm okay. I, I, I when think- did you when did you actually start reading? Was it law school? Was it undergrad? Like not learning to read, but like there's a point where you started to read a lot of books and a lot of stuff. It was probably undergrad. Yeah. Yeah. That's the big difference, right? Like I think the only thing that would have been different in your life is if you'd started earlier. I think that's right. I also was very fortunate. You could pop open the back of an Apple II when I was fifteen. Yeah. See, but you had to read and learn about how that worked too. So- I, I did. And, you know, you're reading the catalog, you're reading the computer magazine. If you wanted access to that world. true. Yeah, that's true. So that this is the thing that people miss about technology. And I think this actually does get kind of takes us all the way back around. When you're young, the world inside of that computer is a whole world. And that was true, whether it's an Apple II or the phone. And it is actually people are worried about Google and they're worried about Apple. See, I don't. When you're a kid and when you're a teenager, you know that there are forces outside of your control that are much bigger than you. And you can't tell which ones are good or bad. And you don't really trust any of them. True. What kids are doing right now is they're looking at their phones and sometimes they're mindlessly consuming content. As they get older, most kids get real suspicious and they start to take it apart and they start to wonder what's going on. And I think that's really cool. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of products out there like Little Bits and 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 where you can actually take apart the toy and make a different toy out of the parts because there are no screws on that iPad. That thing that's is right. sealed tight. It, it's just a magic box to mm-hmm. them. They have no idea. They don't even call it a computer. It's just this thing that, that just has an endless supply of stuff. Yeah, it's, this is... Uh I want them to be able to interact, which, by the way, there are some wonderful things out there on an iPad or on a Chromebook where they interact and they explore and they learn and they build. I had none of that. Listen to me. We got you and me saying, oh, it's wonderful to explore. And you got the people in Silicon Valley saying, keep it away from them because it will destroy them. You know what's really going to happen? Human beings have their own will and they're pretty mischievous and they like to tear things apart like primates. True. Teenagers will ruin everything. This current generation will come up and they will see Facebook and they will see Twitter and they will see Google and they'll be like, what? It's just trash. It's just been around forever. That's very true. And you're going to go work at Google. It's going to be like going to work for the phone system when we were kids. I mean, it's just like this world will collapse into itself. And that doesn't mean that billionaires won't remain billionaires or giant organizations won't exist. It just means that tech moves fast. People can create what they want in order to communicate. And nobody maintains a lock-in. So I'm just sort of like, we're talking and we're worrying about children because they don't seem to have a lot of power, but they have a lot of will and they will start tearing all this stuff down to shreds. I think that's exactly right. And if you won't let it and you lock them down, 
then they'll go do something else. And and I think the best thing we can do is to encourage that. I do think there's a crossing point that if you let that kid, I do have, I've had friends over and they're 10 or 12. Oh, and the kid just stares. He's just not, he, they, the, the, it's their babysitter, yeah, right? The, see, the iPad is in their hands and their heads are down and they don't, they don't my even kids, say hello. My kids wanted an iPad at four and I was like, eh, because no. it's too much like candy, just little no, rectangles no, of no. delicious candy. The pa- it's the passcode for us. We have an yeah. iPad. They don't, they don't know it. And if we tell them you're going to get 15 minutes, you'll get 15 minutes. And that's, yeah. What is your, let's close out on this. What is your, um, we said non-nerd obsessions earlier. Mm-hmm. What's your nerd obsession? Emulation. Oh, really? I love emulation. It's funny because we don't talk about this as much, but I'm pretty obsessed with it too. It's so cool. It just makes T- me happy. Tell the people what emulation is. Emulation is when a machine transforms itself to behave entirely like another machine. So if you own an, old, an older machine, not always, but usually. usually an older machine. I remember when they tried to press the gas and like the N64 emulator came out around when the N64 <laughs> yeah. was out. And it was like one Mario could hop <laughs> once a minute. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, credit to them for yeah. trying. It's like, wait a minute. It's the same CPU. We can this do is, this. <laughs> this is the super nerd like power play is to be an emulator writer because what, oh, what you're so doing badass. you're simulating another piece of hardware in software yeah, it's so, so cool so that people can like play their games or run their software and when the archive put out like yep yeah, here's eleven thousand arcade games you can play in your browser Internet it's archive. over yeah that's good uh, that's the work of our friend jason scott and i was like well and that's that <laughs> thousands of other people over time uh it's just really cool it's cool because i like to see the glitchy startup I like yeah. I like to see it boot up because it's truly emulating. Well, it's not a port. No, uh, and it's and it's it's rough around the edges. You know, you just you're like, oh, this yeah. is where we came from. What about you? <laughs> I like to research things actually. So lately, I've been researching storage a lot. Like, there's just I want to know like what would it take to get a petabyte of information. This is actually inspired by Alan Kay, who is a really uh, important thinker in early technology and sort of big at Xerox Park who at one point wrote an article about how what they were building was sort of the 10, 15 year later computer. You know, they built these computers at Xerox that cost like $120,000 in the 70s, so like as much as a house. Yeah. And, but they were trying to be desktop computers. And I'm just sort of thinking to myself, like what would the equivalent machine be for 15 years from now? And it's going to be something like this. It's going to be, you know, what we think of now as almost infinite storage. And yeah. The processors can't get too much faster, but there were going to be a lot more of them and there'll be lots of little. So I'm just sort of I like to continually come back to that mental exercise because the moment that we're in now where five companies control the world and and everything is sort of online and works in a certain way is going to change. I just I need to keep that in my head so that I feel like I'm adapting and ready for the future. Right. Growing up, Paul, I loved Legos. Sure. And what I loved about them is obviously that they allowed you to be creative. Mm-hmm. You could build stuff. I used to build houses. And in, if you looked in the window of the house, there was a little living room. Mm-hmm. I'd make a couch and put it in the house and oh, make a yeah. little table and a little TV. And my, my son gets Lego box gifts all the time. Oh, God. Yeah. No, the infinite supply. And they suck. Yeah. Because it's a little Batmobile. Yeah. And the pieces are extremely specific to building just that Batmobile. And the instruction manual is 22 pages of how to make the Batmobile and nothing else. And they're, they they have taken all the oxygen out of the room and there is no room for creativity and he can't do anything else with those pieces. And this is 
more fundamentally my fear with where technology has gone in that the controls that have been imposed follow on, these instructions to get this great outcome and you can't come outside those guardrails right like you just can't leap them well because that um, used to be you were exploring your world and kind of figuring out humans are, you know, we're primates we want to know where's the where are the boundaries what's the territory we can get to exactly. what, what kind of power can we have and you had a power where you were like i can make a house Yes. I'm a housemaker. I, do, I wasn't that before and now I am. Exactly. Exactly. I will say it is fun to see, you know, I've got seven-year-old twins and now they get those and they follow the instructions together and they make them and then they tear them apart and they go into the mulch supply of the regular Legos, which they still play with. And so it's working, it's working at that age, but yeah. it, it actually, when they were younger, which your son's about a year younger, when they would get the toy, they would really feel obligated towards the toy. I want the thing on the box. That's right. And that was it. And that was it. And beyond that, when you broke a part, which it did, it's Legos. Of course. They, they viewed it as broken. No, it, as they grow, that becomes a more ephemeral experience, except I, for the people who get obsessed with Legos and want everything to be perfect. Right. So obsessions, good or bad? Who knows? <laughs> All right, Rich, let's get out of here. Yeah, I want to go use my phone. I'm going to have some chocolate. You eating chocolate? And I'm going to stare at my watch while I eat chocolate. I have chocolate. I will give you chocolate. The reality, we will have a couple of chocolate links next to the podcast. You know, if you ever want to work with us, there's a very good chance you will have a piece of chocolate given to you in that first meeting. Excellent chance. You just have to bring it up. We don't like to showcase this too much. No, no. People no. are like, what? What's wrong? Yeah. This person. But uh, if you want that piece of chocolate, and even if you just want a, a little conversation, hello at postlight.com. That email goes straight to me and Rich, and uh, we like to talk. Have a great week. Bye, everybody.